Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey, and I'd like to, as usual, thank you all for joining us here. I know there's a lot of MMA podcasts. Some of them are very, very good. Uh, some of them are not so good. I don't know exactly where we fall on that particular spectrum and on the, uh, as it pertains to any given show. But you guys choose to spend some of your time with us, and you know we thank you for it. Because time is our only truly finite resource. And if for some reason the dulcet tones of Jeff and I discussing things and arguing on occasion puts a small child to sleep for you, I'm happy to be of service that way too. On the docket tonight, we have a review of last night. The UFC made their debut in the city of Can- uh, city in the state of Kansas. They've been in Kansas City before, but it was Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, They were in Wichita last night, so we'll have a review of that event. We will have a preview of this coming Saturday's event when the UFC is back in London. This will be UFC on ESPN+. Plus. Are they up to five now? The Hedonistic Slobs? Uh, I believe it's five. Uh, Fight Night 147, for those using that particular uh, numerology. Uh, Which is not a bad event on paper. There's, there's There's some potential there. Hey, Robert. Yes, Jeff. What state is Washington, D.C. in? Washington, D.C. is not in the state. The District of Columbia is a separate entity. Why is District of Columbia not a separate state? Because, oh, God, there's several reasons for this that you're going to get me going on. One is that you didn't, uh, under the initial framework of the United States, you didn't want the capital city of a state to also be the capital of your nation, as it would potentially cause divided loyalties between the what's best for the individual state or what's best for the federal state. So you're saying the capital of the nation exists outside of the nation itself? No, it's part of the nation. It's not a state. Shouldn't it be its own state, though? I don't know. Like, there's a lot of debate about this. Um, If you listen to the people who live in Washington, D.C., which is, A, a terrible decision generally... And yes, uh, uh, they think it should. I mean, in fairness to this, to the District of Columbia, D.C. has more pop like there's a greater population in the District of Columbia than there is in the state of Wyoming, for example. Uh, There's a lot of discussion about whether or not that should be restructured. The District of Columbia was also never intended to be permanent residents. The fundamental intention of the setup was the White House would be there. Actually, which I mean, the White House didn't even come into being properly until after the War of 1812, because it was burned during the War of 1812. You know what else wasn't designed to be permanent? What? Social Security. Tell me about it. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, lest we lest we get on. Look, like you're you're in my generation, are the one who's going to be paying out the ass for that. I know. I know these things. I just wanted to. I'm trying to add some mirth, some levity. You actually got me on DC, which is which is uh, which is actually a legitimate thing. I mean, the the but right. I mean, like the craziest thing about this, the last thing, then we're going to move on to MMA. I promise for all, all you right. civics nerds out there. Um, the District of Columbia does not have a again doesn't have a governor. It has a mayor and a city council, I believe. The budget, however, for the District of Columbia is not determined by the District of Columbia. It's actually legislated by the federal government. Every other city has a city budget, has a county budget, has a state budget. No, the the poor guy who runs, the the mayor of D.C., 
has to get his budget through the federal government. Mm. I feel so badly for whoever has to do that on a regular basis. It's just the worst. Well, now that now we can say we've had a UFC card in Kansas, even though Kansas City is not even in Kansas. It's yeah, in there's, Missouri. There's Kansas City, Missouri. There is also Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas City actually straddles right. uh, the Mississippi. Or is it the Missouri? No, Mississippi at that juncture. Missouri breaks off later. Or is it the Missouri right there? I'm going to have to look well, up on my... Wait, so it's like a double, a double city then. There is, a, yeah, like there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and there's wait, a Kansas City, Missouri. City. Are you saying they're two different cities? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's weird because they're like kind of loosely the same city and that they occupy a lot of the same space, but there's a very clear dividing state line. Okay. And they are different it cities. It reminds me of Batman v Superman where they had Gotham City and Metropolis basically across the street from one another. And I wanted to shoot myself in the face when they did that. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, we will all... So, again, on to MMA, though I, I don't mind a minor diversion here. They, again, we will be previewing... By the way, I'm Jeffrey Harris. Diego Sanchez does not have CTE. He thinks outside the box. He's unlocking the secrets of anti-aging like Iceman Wim Hof. Look, man, I don't know how much... I, I can't pinpoint Diego Sanchez potentially suffering from CTE because he's been crazy before he was getting hit in the head. Right. Like, There's no way to actually track he, the symptoms he, there. He thinks outside the box, Robert. And so does Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo's a good dude. Yeah. Outside of some of his opinions on the Joe Rogan experience, which I don't want to get into here. Uh, look, the, again, there's a lot of value to thinking outside the box. Are you going to tell me Eddie Bravo is not a, uh, is not a grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu master? Because he is. Oh, he is. He absolutely is. His, his no-gi approach was fundamentally revolutionary to a lot of the way jiu-jitsu was done when he started competing. He changed a lot of what was you know, thought about as far as uh, sport jujitsu goes. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. Also doesn't change the fact that the earth is round. Okay. Have you ever been in earth's orbit? Look, I'm not going to get that paranoid. about <laughs> it. I, hang on. No, no, no. Here's the thing. I know the fundamental math process processes by which we determine that the earth is round. Right. It has to do with actually measuring shadows along the same points of longitude or latitude, but at different points points along that same line Science changes all the time though robert it's not always what what was fact yesterday becomes becomes uh altered or shifts over over decades okay, look what if a giant razor blade flies through and cuts the earth in half uh, to such a degree that part of it is flat i'll reconsider okay until then the earth's round okay I'm just, I'm just having some fun here. I know. And it, it gets my goat just a little bit, just because it like the flat earth society notes that Mars has been proven to be round, but will not acknowledge that the earth is round. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, I mean, we've observed, the, of, we've observed Mars to be things. round. There's a lot of dumb things in the world. There really are. Uh, and I'm sure we'll touch on a few of those when we get to our news segment of the Some of those week. dumb things are government institutions. A, lo a surprisingly high percentage. <laughs> a surprisingly high percentage. Anyway, last night, UFC on ESPN plus four? Four. This was four. Uh, however you want to. 
I don't know even how we're. It, 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 I mean, UFC doesn't even use the numbering system anymore, except for the cards. But they just call them fight night. The media uses. The media has been using plus four, though technically this is also fight night one forty six. So. At the moment, I'm referring to it as Fight Night 146. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm happy to use both for, for the sake of clarity. But for me, just you know, it's Fight Night 146 in the yeah. sense that that is the straightest. Because del- otherwise, like, where does the stuff on Fuel TV fall? Was that or the stuff on FX? And there's no and versus. There and were the versus. Yeah, there's. Uh. Those so, were not. Those did not fall into the numbering system, as I recall. I think that's why we kind of wound up with the fight night, you know, number whatever, because those, I think those are counted for the purposes of that by everyone who does bookkeeping on this, not everyone who, not the PR side of things. But anyway, again, the UFC debuted in Wichita and the city of Wichita in the great state of Kansas. And I joked that, you know, they were able to bring three heavyweight fights to this type of area because a, uh, a market that sees more UFC events probably wouldn't have stood for it. And I kind of stand by that general assessment. Um, you know, last night's event was probably about about, about was, what we expected, about what we expected, probably about as it could. It was about as good as it could reasonably have been expected to be in your main event. Junior Dos Santos was way too long, though. Uh, I don't think it was. Okay, really? I mean, it's still wrapped up before before 9.30 my time. 13 fights. Do you need 13 fights for an an all ESPN Plus only card? It seems excessive. As a purely as a consumer, I tend to agree. I would say I would say take off three fights and put them elsewhere right off the bat. Yeah, there were again there were yeah there were thirteen fights last night. The whole thing still only lasted about six hours, uh, which is that's still a lot. It's not it it's a it's oh god it, it it's like, a lot it is but it's also about what we were doing under the FS1 deal. They were always about six and a half hours. It's crazy. I remember when it was five pre. <laughs> Five prelims, five pay-per-view cards. Yep. And then, and then, and then they days. started broadcasting the prelims, and we get four prelims. Da da da. And if they had extra time on the pay-per-view, they would show a, they would show a prelim. Yep. Um, they might still do that. I forget. Do they? Will they still air a prelim now and again? Yes. Okay. Every now and again, when they have extra time. But yeah. All right. Uh, again, in your main event, Junior Dos Santos, one of the more improbable career resurgences, I seem to recall. I mean, I, there have it's been not, more dramatic ones. Not, but it's not unprecedented. I mean, Mark Hunt, we Mark have Hunt. to acknowledge Mark Hunt had one of those. Oh, and yeah. For a little while, for not um, Andre Arlovsky did as Arlovsky, well. Arlovsky had a pretty good... Arlovsky had a very significant career resurgence. Again, Mark Hunt did. Robbie Lawler did. Granted, Arlovsky had a couple stinkers in there on that winning streak, but he he did have a notable surge for a little while. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when a lot of us had just completely written Arlovsky off. 
And he I mean, I made mean, a comeback look, of it. When when that happens, like Arlovsky had a pretty bad slump, and he was and he was getting knocked out fairly regularly. You know? Oh yeah. I so remember. I feel like even even the and look, I'm I don't really think I don't see Junior Dose personally. I don't see Junior winning the heavyweight title again. Not saying it's impossible. I just don't see it happening. But what I would say about Junior is he did have a pretty rough stretch where I mean I guess he never he never lost more than once but he he was getting knocked out a lot more than he used to cuz I mean think about this he went 15 and 1 for most of his career uh where his only loss that only loss was a submission loss and guys were not rocking him or really hurting him at all and then ever since that um, the second fight with Cain Velasquez, it seemed to be, just be happening. It seemed like he was getting hit more, taking a lot more damage, and now he started getting knocked out, um, which wasn't really happening to him before. Because let's see, ever since the first loss to Cain, his last three his last three losses are all knockout. Plus, he's a heavyweight. And now, and, and you know, we worry about damage and concussions. Um, so I, I, you know, he's three in a row now, and you have to consider him in the title mix uh, once again. Maybe not right away, but he's definitely up there right now. He's in. He's absolutely in the conversation, if nothing else. Like, um, but yeah, go go ahead. I, I'm curious. This fight. I think that the announcers were suggesting Lewis might have been playing possum a little bit, but what do you think? Um, no, I don't think he was playing possum. I think a couple of things happened here. One is, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point that Lewis is a little bit soft to the body. He's been hurt to the body in most of his fights. Uh, Volkov hurt him to the body several times. Travis Brown hurt him to the body. Those are fights he won. So, again, it's not this... You know, crippling, uh, you, you you touch him to the body and he just folds over like a lawn chair. But you know, get Volkov hurt him there. Tabora hurt him there. Um, I think Hunt did a few times as well. Um, who's the other one? There was one other one. Um, might have been the Sean Jordan fight because Sean fin- uh, Jordan finished him with a hook kick, which was crazy. But it's again, it's it's a bit of a weakness for him, and in somewhat fairness to that, you know, Derek Lewis is a very, very large man, and I don't mean fat; I mean he's a big dude, and that can play a little bit with the you know, the the ability to develop the musculature to absorb impact to the stomach. And Junior hit him with this really great spinning back kick to the body. It pretty clearly hurt Lewis. I think Lewis just, he was hurt, he doubled over, but when he saw Junior coming in, he had enough in him to try one more thing. So he swung a, you know, he swung that right and was able to kind of off-balance Junior and buy himself enough time to fully recover. That scenario reminded me of an old-school, re- I can't even call it an old-school reference because I know what old-school MMA was, but in your throwback moment of the evening... On the finale of The Ultimate Fighter Season 3, 
Was it four? Uh, I think. Well, you're talking about one that was probably over ten years ago. You're talking oh, about yeah. twelve years. So, I'm, maybe I'm, not old school, but bit of a throwback. A throwback, this- yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember if the comeback season was season three or four, because I get that and comeback the uh, was three. comeback was comeback th- was oh, three. No, but- no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, or oh, was Shamrock, Shamrock Ortiz? That was three. three, and then comeback was four. Okay, so the, yeah. the finale of the Ultimate Fighter's fourth season. When Matt Sarah won his uh, Matt Sarah and uh, Travis Luter were the winners of their respective seasons over Chris Lytle and Patrick Cote. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so forgive Matt me if I'm Sarah, wrong. Matt Sarah won the greatest upset in history. One of yeah, that's the, that was the fight that went on to give Matt Sarah his title shot. Gave Travis Luter a title shot too, but Luter missed weight and then got triangled by Anderson Silva. But on that card, there's a fight. The only fight on that entire card worth watching, mind you. Between um, Pete, excuse me, Scott Smith, yeah, Scott Hands of Steel Smith, and Pete Drago Cell. And it's one of those crazy fights where they just got to punch each other a lot and then stop and smile and high-five each other in the middle of a round and then go back to punching each other. Wildly entertaining in a lot of respects. The finish comes when Pete Cell digs this hellacious left to the liver of Scott Smith. Smith immediately, you see it all over his face. He is in agony. He doubles over, just, oh, you know, like his body is shutting down. Um, Sal rushes at him to try and get the finish, and Smith has enough wherewithal and enough energy to plant himself and launch one Hail Mary right hand to the chin of Scott of uh, Pete Sell and knock him out cold. Which is exactly what happens. He knocks him out with one punch. They both fall over. The ref waves it off. I mean, Pete Sell actually recovers from the knockout before Scott Smith recovers from the body blow. That's how bad it was. But it was just that singular, all right, I'm really hurt. I've got enough energy for one thing, and let's pray it works. And I think that's what Lewis, I think that's what happened to Lewis. He got hit really hard to the body, doubled over, because that's what you do. Saw Junior coming, and... I got enough for one, and hopefully it's enough to keep him off of me long enough for me to recover. And Now, now look, was. Lewis may not be the most technical fighter, Robert, but he's definitely, you got to admit, he's a fighter fighter to, ha- to at least have the instinct to try something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, for all the crap I give Lewis on occasion, the dude goes in there and fights, and I take my hat off to him for that. Um, I mean, he's... He's got what, like, I think Lewis is tied for the most finishes, most uh, knockout and knockouts in heavyweight history. Like, so, I, I mean, mean, dude goes into fight. Not, but this is kind of the level where I see Lewis staying. Yeah, kind of an upper level kind of contender type. I don't yeah. see him ever. I don't because I like Lewis. I just don't think he's quite good enough to become champion. I think, you know. I think he's a guy who will capitalize on a, on his opportunities, like the Cormier fight, but I think that's about it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, there's a couple of there were a couple of things about this fight that surprised me and how it played out. One was Junior's aggression. Yeah. The last few fights, he's done a lot of backing up and trying to walk people into his stuff as opposed to being the party moving forward. And he did a lot of forward I mean, motion. He's done that throughout his career. His early career, absolutely. He was a he was very much about forward pressure, about landing the big shots. This was 
in a lot of respects, I think this was kind of the best hybrid of Junior's pre-title, you know, up to the point when he became champion, when he was again kind of the aggressor. And some of the technical stuff he added after that, after he lost the belt, I mean, when he, he added, you know, take, leg kicks. He did, take, he did get rocked a few times in this fight, though. Yeah, he got clipped a couple of times. And, I mean, his, uh, the overhead, the overhead punch he was throwing with his right hand was ugly a, few, a handful of times. The one that landed was actually pretty good. He just faded, he faked a jab as Lewis was all the way against the fence, still a little sore to the body. He faked the jab to the body to draw Lewis's hands out of position, clipped him with that right, and then just, you know, unloaded until he got the stoppage. Well, I think one other thing you have to give Junior, he, I think he has some of the best MMA boxing at heavyweight. Or at least, at least in the prime of his career he did, I think. Uh, his... I would go. I would. I would say he. I would say he was a better puncher than a boxer. Okay. But just because his footwork was so, and his ring generalship were so, his ring generalship was really the big Achilles heel in his game, for a lot of years, and might still be, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, look at the run. Look at the run he had up until the second fight with Kane. Oh, again, he had a great run. He had. He had very fast hands, and he had good shot selection. I think that's you can you can make an, make an argument. He's one of the greatest MMA heavyweights ever. Yeah, I think he's I think he's in that conversation. At least top five, I would say. Because look, um, yeah, Crow like Crocop, Gonzaga, Nelson. Well, that wasn't a knockout, but look, but I mean. He beat the crap out I mean, of him. He came oh. in, I mean, look, he came in, he knocked out Fabrizio Verdum. Out of the UFC. Knocked that out uppercut. of the UFC. And after that, Verdum had the bet like the best run of his career, and Verdum became a champion. Yep. Um and he was a nobody when he came in and knocked out Verdum. He was he, expected to lose. He was brought he, in to kind of keep Verdum busy while they did the Kane Brock he, uh, Noguera Carwin. He was Noguera's protege. He was no, he was just like and Noguera was still seen as a viable contender at that point. He overtook yep. he overtook his teacher. Um. So Verdum, Gonzaga, Nelson, Carwin, Velasquez, and Frank Mir. That's a pretty. I mean. That's a pretty tough gauntlet. I mean, you're also forgetting, I think, like, uh, he knocked out Stefan yeah, Struve, Gilbert Ivel. Look, look Struve has always been beatable. I like Struve, and Struve has had some flashes of brilliance. I think even you can't deny that. Oh, yeah, he has. In his career. That's, that's one of the things that makes him so frustrating. Struve has always been beatable throughout his entire UFC career. Um. But that's like a who to me. He's got like a who's who list on his resume. He beat all of the elite talent of his, of his Stipe, all of his contemporaries, including Stipe. Which, yep. I mean, I mean, the only person he really hasn't beaten at this point is Alistair Overeem, because he still has that one win over Kane. Yep. So he hasn't beaten uh, Overeem, and he hasn't beaten Ngannou. Of all of his contemporary, um, in Cor- add, if if we want to add Cormier, then yeah, yeah, and Cormier, but Cormier is the ch- Cormier is the guy Junior wants to work up to. And look, Cormier might be out of the sport in in, in the next year or so. So who so who knows? Honestly, 
Brock Lesnar is lucky he never had to fight came, uh, Junior Dos Santos. I think that would have gone terribly for him. I completely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, they were coaches on uh, some season of The Ultimate Fighter. If they were to fight tomorrow, I would still pick Junior in that fight, Robert. Yeah, I'd favor Junior. So uh, he said he didn't call out anyone specifically after this win. He just wants to stay busy this year. Uh, I credit him for that if that's what he really wants to do. I mean, he did have that that kind of um, not a huge. I mean, he did have the the drug testing issue. He did get resolved. So I mean, he did have a couple stretches of inactivity. He's had a, he's had some minor injuries here and there, and then yeah, there was that uh, that pharmacy in Brazil that. Let's see. He did fight twice. He did fight twice and won both those fights last year. Yeah, and apparently he just wants to fight like three times this year. And I like the Ngannou fight. I don't know. He if yeah, he called for that. I I don't like his chances necessarily, but I think the fight makes sense. It's a good fight. I mean. Both guys have momentum right now. Yeah. Um, and Ganu had a bad stretch. He's he was able to snap that, coming off a huge win over Kane, a guy Junior lost his last two fights to, and, Ju- and Junior just beat Derek Lewis, a guy who beat who ha- who does have a win over Francis. So that's a that could be that could easily be an ESPN main event. It could be a good co-main event. Um, I mean, ideally that would even be a title eliminator, but we have all this business with Brock Lesnar, Stipe Miocic is kind of waiting around to see what happens there. So it's a bit, whatever, whatever injury Cormier is currently recovering from. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty around the top of that division. Unfortunately, it's very murky, but ideally if you were to book. And Ganu versus Dos Santos, to me, that's like your title eliminator right there. I would agree. Uh, and- Ideally, I would just go ahead and do the Cormier Stipe rematch and then make Dos Santos uh, and Ganu the title eliminator, but we have all this nonsense with is Brock Lesnar going to fight Cormier or not? Blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Yeah, there's again. If we had a specific timetable for a potential Lesnar Cormier, I, I could live with it. If we had a potential timetable, mm-hmm. if it was kind of on paper and it said, you know what, like, well, we're in what March, so say August. Like, if we had a pretty concrete, not you know, maybe not necessarily signed bout agreements, but say they're like, okay, we're targeting DC versus Lesnar for August, and it's going to be DC's last fight. I could live. I could live with it because it, we'd at least have a specific timetable laid out. But we don't, because we don't. No one knows what Brock's gonna do. We don't know what's up with Cormier. Cormier could injure something else and just kind of decide, you know what, I'm gonna call it a career. And I would, a, I wouldn't blame him. And b, he's still, he's, you know, one of the best ever. Even if, you know, and he never has, you know, that one last fight. He's already become the first guy to defend, to win two titles and were, defend both if, of if them. If that were to happen, you would have to book probably. Would you book Stipe versus Junior Three, or would you book Engano versus Stipe Two? Oh, that's tough. I feel like both of those just so heavily favor Stipe, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. The other man's a very great fighter. 
I would pro- I mean, I would probably go for Stipe in both of those. I, I would pick Stipe in both of those. I might go with uh, the Dos Santos. I might go with the Dos Santos trilogy. That is the tiebreaker. In the yeah, they're, they're one and one. Likes, they they do like trilogy uh, fight fight series. And I mean, those two, the, their trilogy has been spread out over several years, but by this point, Let's so see. it's not being rushed. Yep. Well, the second, well, not. Let's see. The first fight, yeah, I guess you're right because the first fight was 2014, the rematch was 2017. So yeah, there you go. You got a few years in between each of the entries into the right. you know, into the trilogy. I can look right, but that. They, it, but they are one and one against each other. They are. And I mean, again, I'd favor Stipe, but now I'm curious. The first fight, did you did you think Junior solidly won that fight, or what did you think? It was a very competitive fight, but I scored it uh, live. I scored it four rounds to one for Dos Santos. So upon, did I. Upon rewatching it, I think Stipe does edge out the first round. Okay. Pretty clearly takes the second, and then Junior takes rounds three, four, and five. Okay. So I, I, I've scored but, it for Junior every time I've watched it. It seemed like Junior took more damage in that fight, though, in some ways. He took more visible damage. Okay. Um, but, I mean, he, I don't know if he broke Stipe's jaw with that left hook that he landed that rocked him in the third. But he, I don't think uh, his jaw was broken. But Stipe was spitting blood the entire rest of that fight. Okay. So th- th- there was damage done on both sides. Junior's face just swelled up. Okay, I was because you have a very, I think you have a very sort of educated strong perspective on fight scoring. So I was curious what you thought of that fight. I have a, I have the stance that I take, whether or not it's educated remains to be seen. Well, well, I think you have a, I think you have a very solid, a more solid stance than most, I would say. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. So again, that was your main event. Um, Junior's one, Junior might be one of the nicest guys in this sport. I mean, him getting the entire crowd to sing happy birthday to his two-year-old son mm-hmm. was... And, you know, credit to the crowd. I gave them a lot of crap because they started... It so bad when people were booing him when he lost that one time. He's like, why? Why? <laughs> why do that? Oh, yeah. He's... Again, Junior's... If you want to root for the guy he's fighting, who he's fighting, that's that's fine. But I don't know how anyone could actively boo Junior Dos Santos. He's just such a nice guy. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's in the title yeah, orbit. At, uh, UFC 155, I think. Oh, was it was that the... The, it was for the Velasquez fight? A very pro, a very that pro was a Velasquez. very pro Kane crowd. Yeah, pretty much. But you know, again, I give Junior a lot of credit for being a guy who stuck around as long as he has, who was as successful as he's been. Because, I mean, he beat the old guard when he came up. He beat his contemporaries. And he's beaten some of the guys that have come up after he's been champion. And it's there's not a lot of guys who can do that. That's one of the marks That's one of the marks of true generational greatness. I, th- I, mean, I think there's a better argument for him being an all-time great than Tyron Woodley. I mean, they're in completely different divisions. I mean, a heavyweight that has anything approaching Woodley's consistency is unheard of, largely, in, in, in the ranks of heavyweight, with very few exceptions. So do we have to consider uh, another Dos Santos? Ah, uh, Eli- yes. Eli- Eli- yes. Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos 
He has now won seven fights in a row. Or is it eight? Finished his last three. Uh, yeah, seven in a row. His only loss was a very controversial split decision to, I think it was Nicholas Dalby in his UFC debut. And, and he, lo- he beat a guy who has been looking very good lately. Yeah, Millinder was kind of the prospect on the rise at this coming into this fight. And, you know, in fairness to Millinder, he hadn't lost in the UFC. Hadn't lost since uh, 2015, actually. Jeez. That's a pretty well, significant stretch of time. Seven wins were, were finished for were finishes too for the other Dos Santos. Yeah, and He's looking good, man. Yeah, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos is is legitimate. I mean, again, seven... got some competition. There's some there's some life down in well, in one seventy right now. I mean, fr- frankly, the fact that he was only ranked, I believe, 14th coming into this fight was a little bit weird. Like, he's better well, than that. Well. I mean, don't get me wrong. The ra- we've talked about the rankings in the past. I mean, look, liming good. I mean, come on. I think some of these were solid wins. Maybe he should have been ra- I, I, I don't think that it's a terror. It's just that. Is it the amount of wins or is it the quality of opponents? I think it's got to be. A, I think this win will push him up more, though. It better. <laughs> Assuming but, that. Uh, I, I mean, again, look, would I have had him like in my top 10? No, it, but, but I this, also think that the UFC. This is the opportunity because he's in a co-main event and he made the most of it, even though it's. But it, it was the it was a streaming card, but. It was still a good opportunity for him to rise to the occasion, and he did that. Yeah, he, again, put a pretty solid win here over uh, over Millinder. I mean, again, Millinder had a lot of upside, and Dos Santos punched him in the face a few times, took him down, and was clearly the superior grappler, and then just made use of that to the best of his ability. Um, I'm trying to think who he should fight next. Who's uh, Leon had, Edwards fighting? Uh, Leon Edwards is fighting Gunnar Nelson next week. I would like to match him up with the winner of that fight. I could go for that. Um, if I get to fantasy book, I mean, him versus Robbie Lawler is uh, all kinds of craziness. I, I think I think Dana White is fixated on the, the Lawler-Askren rematch. Of course he is, because Askren won. <laughs> Joke, joking aside joking aside yes uh what is let's, going let's... on with ponzinibio because we need to get him a fight um he does he have a, he has a fight scheduled i think he's fighting um he beat neil magny in november beat or neil magny but he i could have sworn that he had something lined up see i feel like ponzinibio should get a bigger fight at this point like a dosanos or a thompson Oh, he does not have anything scheduled yet. Jeez, that's weird. Does Thompson have a fight scheduled? I feel like... Uh, Wonderboy? Yeah, he's fighting uh, Pettis. Maybe he could fight the winner. Maybe Pons and Ebio can fight the winner of that. But either way, Dos Santos is due for a better a better fight at this point. Very much so. Like in, I, I feel like in the top ten. Yeah. Again, like again, if I could do it, it would be him and Robbie Lawler just for the crazy violence they'd throw at each other. I mean, uh, more realistically, yeah, the winner of Leon Edwards versus uh, Gunnar Nelson is that's a lo- that's a solid fight too. Is probably is that seems more reasonable. 
all things considered, I, you know, he and RDA would be fun. I don't know what Dos Anjos has coming up yet, but I like that. I also like that fight. And Do, Dos Anjos is still ranked number still five. Ranked number I'm not five, sure. despite being on like a two fight losing streak, two or three. Right. I love RDA, but I, I I kind of feel like after the loss to Covington, he he maybe should have dropped a little bit more. But that's just well, that's certainly just, a, certainly after the Usman loss. That's that's the trouble. That's the trouble with that's the trouble with rankings. It yeah. is. It really is. Yeah, I think he's so his la- I think he lost his last two to Colby and to Usman. Usman. Then yeah, I mean, in fairness to both those guys, you know, they're they're top welterweights. Um, but yeah. Again, get get Capoeira dos Santos in with one of those with someone near the top because winning seven in a row and I don't think he's fought a ranked opponent yet. Millinder, I think, was good enough to be like a fringe top fifteen, though. Yeah, Millinder again. Millinder's on the you know he was on the come up and yeah. you know, not a gimme or a soft touch by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, if there were a top twenty-five, I feel like he'd be. He'd be solidly in there. Yeah, I'd agree so, with that. So would Dos. Well, DeSantis was top fifteen technically. Yeah. Um, Nico but, Priceman is very underrated. Oh, uh, he's he's a crazy. Maybe he's not a crazy maybe man. Maybe not an elite world beater, but he is he is uh, fun to watch. Yeah, Nico Price defeats Tim Means via knockout in the first round. This was your roadhouse fight of the evening. <laughs> um, Tim Means. A lot of you know accurate strikes, combination work. Nico Price does a lot more of the you know the one and done kind of power punching, and Tim Means was landing on him very very cleanly. But I mean, he landed a really good left that like right before the finish that wobbled Price pretty badly. But Price just put himself on the fence, watched Means come in, and then swung a right hand that. Dropped Tim Means, and then you know a couple more on the ground put him out. Uh, this was, I, I'm I'm still struggling struggling to really kind of get a handle on Nico Price because he's in a lot of respects he's clearly very good. I mean he only has two losses in the U- ever. Uh, he was submitted by Vicente Luque, who's a significantly underappreciated fighter, and then he got knocked out by the superior puncher uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Oh, that's one word. His last name's not hyphenated. It's one word. My, uh, I listed him erroneously then, and uh, my mistake. I'll look about fixing that. Uh, he so again, he has the you know, he has good power. He has a good top game. Uh, if he decides to take things down, he's much less good off of his back. And he's a bit of a wild man. You know, he's <laughs> he's from Florida. I mean that. <laughs> Florida produces crazy people, and I don't mean that as an insult to any Floridians out there. You all know it's true. Um, you know, if I got to you can kind of fantasy book some just a crazy, wild, stupid, you know, stupid fight, uh, Price and um, Mike Perry, just two crazy Florida guys that are going to go in there and beat the crap out of each other. That fight makes a lot of sense right now, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Price will ever, you know, really get to the top 15 necessarily. Neither, well, neither will Mike Perry. Yeah, and, you know, and since we're in the business of watching people do horrible things to each other physically for entertainment, let those let those two crazy guys beat the crap out of each other. That would, 
I mean, that would be something to see. I mean, I'm sure you, again, you see stuff like that in Florida all the time outside of your local gas station at 3.30 in the morning, but. Mike Perry's basically like the new Eric Silva anyway, so might as well. Um, I would go with Phil Baroni more than Eric Silva. Uh, you know, fair enough. I feel like I, I feel like that's that's a huge insult to Mike Perry, and I feel like Mike Perry's not the smartest fighter, but I feel like he is. Look, I, I feel like he is a better fighter than Phil Baroni. Come on. Oh sure, uh, hold on, don't get me wrong. When I say, l- let me be clear, I don't mean that you know he's as bad as Phil Baroni was when Phil Baroni was. I mean, Baroni got by on the era he was in. I think that if you were to take. You know, the style that Phil Baroni brings into the cage and update it for contemporary MMA, you would get a guy who fights like Mike Perry. Huh. A guy who's, you know, got a little bit of everything. You know, Mike Perry's not the, you know, he's not a bad wrestler. He's got it. He knows how to throw a kick, but is a lot of straight ahead brawling with power punches and elbows. And that's what he leans on primarily for his success. And I mean, again, and Mike Perry's had a lot of success. I'm not. I'm certainly not trying to insult him with that comparison. But I think again, it's just if you were to, you know, come up with a Phil Baroni who could be successful in the UFC in 2019, it it would look a lot like Mike Perry. And I enjoy a lot of what Mike Perry does. So I'm again, I'm not trying to be dismissive with my comparison there. Yeah, fair enough. There's- uh, uh, yeah, poor, uh, got to feel a little bit bad for means in this fight because he did a lot, right? You know, he landed a lot of really good shots. He landed in combinations and other fighters probably would have been down, but Nico price has a pretty decent chin on him and just, he wa- wound up kind of walking into a right. It, it sucks, but it happens. Um, our next heavyweight fight, boy, did this suck. Blagoy Ivanov defeated Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Um, live, I scored this for Rothwell, but I don't think 29-28 Ivanov is wrong. This is an instance of a fight coming down to a single round. Ivanov pretty clearly takes the second. Rothwell pretty clearly takes the third. So it comes down to the first round. And Rothwell had the bigger singular moment... He landed a pretty good, I can't remember if it was a right or a left based on the angle they were circling at. But he also got outstruck numerically by a non-trivial margin that entire round. And if you so giving the first round to Ivanov, I don't think is incorrect. Um, I know Rothwell was pissed about this, uh, about the decision, and... I mean, again, anytime you go to it, you know, I, I understand because, again, it comes down to a singular round that if I'm in Rothwell's corner, I probably think he won. But, uh, you know, such is life when you don't definitively win rounds. Uh, again, the fight kind of sucked. Um, they, they got going a little bit in the third round, I think. I mean, Ivanov busted up Rothwell's nose and whatnot in the second, and then in the third, Rothwell started landing, and Ivanov had swelling around his eyes. But uh, not, a, not a good fight. You know, a lot of low-level heavyweights. You know, this, last night was not a good night for Americans facing foreigners uh, on that card. I don't think any of them won. 
because JDS beat Lewis. Uh, Zaleski Dos Santos beat Millinder. Ivanov beat Rothwell. Daryush beat Tober. Akhmedov beat Poach. Kuditskaya beat Renault. Yeah, it was not a good night to be an American fighting a foreigner last night. Um, I mean, again, this was a crappy heavyweight fight. I, there's another one on this card we'll get to in a bit. I, I don't have a whole lot here. Blagoy Ivanov is not very good, and Ben Rothwell lost the fight. What do you want me to say? You got anything for this one, Jeff? No. All right. Uh, the aforementioned Benil Dariush defeated Drew Dober via triangle armbar from the back uh, in the second round. Uh, this was a really sweet I want submission. I you to give it up to Benil Dariush, and I want Pat Mullen back to give it up for Benil Dariush. Both of you guys had ri- – talk about writing someone off. You guys both trashed Dariush. I wrote, I wrote Dariush I, – in fairness, I believe I did pick him to win this fight. I think I did as well. Or wait, did I pick Drew Dober? I think I pick, might have picked Drew Dober. Uh, well, Dariush, is a, he's, a dec- he's, he's a decent level fighter. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what started his like his only major losses in the UFC, he gets stopped by Ramsey Nijem, uh, just because he wasn't respectful enough of Ramsey's power, goes on a pretty big winning streak that includes wins over uh, Jim fin- Miller. Jim Miller. He finishes Tony Martin, Michael who we'll, Johnson, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Loses to Michael Chiesa, rebounds by beating James Vick, Rashid Magomedov, and then uh that, that Edson Barboza fight breaks my heart in some respects because Dariush does almost everything right. He wins the first round. He's troubling Barboza with kicks to the body. He's pressuring him. He's getting him down. And then he just missed times for one instant. And Barboza lands that flying but, knee. <laughs> but here's my point. He has 10 wins inside the octagon in the UFC's most bloodthirsty division. And only, okay, and he has four losses. He does have four losses in the UFC, but to be 10-4 and four in the UFC at lightweight, I think is, uh, over the course of about five years, I think is pretty impressive, Rob. It is. Oh, yeah. He, again, like I, I think when I said... I was kind of, I think he was, and I still think this, mind you, I think he's probably done as a top 15 fighter. I I think just, you know, years, miles, his style kind of being figured out. I think that's probably beyond him at this point. I don't think so. I mean, Drew Dober had a very successful first round against him, and Drew Dober is... And Dober, Dober was on a roll going into this fight. Dober was having a good run. Yeah, but he's also very much a middle of the pack kind of fighter, you know? Fighters... I think the thing is, we tend to write fighters off when they have bad runs, but sometimes fighters can have bad runs and then uh, have amazing resurgences. It's possible. It is. Look at Robbie Lawler. I never would have imagined the Robbie Lawler, who who looked like he was slumming it in strike force, would have become a UFC champion. But he did. Yeah, and... Again, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd be I at this point I'd just be surprised if he were able to kind of Rafael Dos Anjos got his got it he got his jaw broken by Clay Guida. Yep. Clay Guida broke his jaw and submitted him. Clay Guida, Robert. Clay the carpenter Guida. So easy a caveman can do it. And got his I, got his got his head uppercut 
into the Star Wars galaxy by uh, Jer- Jeremy Stevens. Stevens. And then and then he became a UFC lightweight champion. He was also in his early 20s at the time. Right. Whereas Dariush is almost 30. He came into the UFC as an 0-2 fighter, basically. Um, He started out 0-2. Yep. He was a mid... For a while, Dos Anjos was a mid-level lightweight. Yep. Mid-tier. And then he had went on an amazing run. Um, It... It's possible for guys to have bad skids. And I'm not saying this is the case with Darius, but it, it's it's possible for them to do it. And we can't we can't always sometimes I think we're a little premature to write guys off when they're having a bad run. I I think he'll I think he'll continue to be successful against guys like Tiago Moises and Drew Dober. I don't think he'll be as successful against guys like Charles Oliveira or James Vick. I mean, ah, you know Vic, actually. He might beat Vic again if they fight. And I like Oliveira, but I think he could beat Oliveira because Oliveira is beatable. And he always has been. Oliveira's beatable. I'm also not sure Oliveira should be 15. Anthony Pettis. I think he could. I think he'd have a decent shot again against Anthony Pettis. <sighs> he fights Southpaw, doesn't he? But no, I, I, I think I take about Darius. He's he's well, he is very well rounded. Yeah, yeah. He came in as kind of a one-dimensional grappler, and then he developed a very strong kicking game. I mean, his punches are still a work in progress, but his kicking game is quite strong. So he, uh, okay, he might sneak back into the top fifteen, but. At the age of twenty nine, at lightweight, I I think we I think we've probably seen his peak. And we'll in stay. fairness, he had a he got very he had a very high peak. See what's uh, Gregor Gillespie up to? Uh, he just won. He beat um, Yancy Medeiros. Right. So that's that, and that's a good win for Gillespie. Yeah, so I I think Gillespie's. Uh, gonna wind up fighting other ranked opposition going forward. Right. Why is Nate Diaz ranked? Come on, rankers. Donald Cerrone. You see, here's the problem. Donald Cerrone is ranked at, at lightweight. Well, he's he's back at lightweight. Oh, now. he's back at lightweight. Never mind. He came uh, back to lightweight and beat. Um, Who did he beat? I got confused for a second. He beat Hernandez, right? He beat Alex Hernandez. Was the was his return to lightweight? Okay. So. Isn't Anthony Pettis fighting at welterweight next? Yes. Eh. So yeah, Diaz being ranked. Um, maybe he could fight. Since James Vick is coming off a loss, maybe he could fight someone like a Vick if, if you wanted to give. Because look, um, well, you already beat Vick. Did he? Yeah, he knocked him out. I, uh... I mean, look, since you could Vick do the you could do the rematch. Because I mean, after that loss, Vic went on his pretty. Vic went on his run. Yeah. So you might. So Vic might want that fight. You know, give. He gives. So ba- think about it like this: He gives Dariush a chance to get into the top fifteen, and he gets a chance to get a get a loss uh, back off of his record. A guy who finished him previously. So there you go. Yeah, that's a thought. Yeah, I'm not. Look, I'm not ready to anoint Darius as like a top ten guy either. But um, he had a bat. He had a bit of a bad skid. He snapped it with 
a fairly unimpressive decision went over Tiago Moises, and then he and then he beat, then he submitted a very tough opponent who was having a good run himself. So this is this yeah. is a solid win for Darius right now. Yeah, it was a necessary win. I don't know how again. Like, I I think Drew Dober's a guy who's just perpetually going to just exist in the division. Probably. But you, I mean, you need to be able to win those fights. You need to be you able do. to win those fights and, too. And I give him credit for that. And again, the finish here, the uh, I mean. He had this really nice uh, back take, locked up the reverse triangle, switched to the triangle armbar from the back, and he had a that was a really awkward angle that he had Dober's elbow at. That was nasty. That armbar variation a whole lot. No, there's a lot of offense from the back in MMA that just doesn't seem to be utilized all that much. One of them is armbars from the back. A lot of guys just don't want to give up the position apparently, but. If you, uh, Damian Maya has a really good armbar from the back he uses on occasion. Um, Husamar Palharas used to do it. Uh, Gilbert Burns does it a lot, actually, and Burns has a wicked armbar from the back. It's an, uh, it's an attack that isn't used a whole lot. I mean, the whole reverse tri- the whole uh, reverse triangle thing generally in MMA is not utilized as much as it should be, considering how often guys kind of get shook off over the top. Uh so yeah, it was, sort of like, it was a really nice submission for Darius here. I don't think guys like work the body enough, too. They don't. Body work in MMA is is coming up, thankfully, but it's still not as prevalent as it should be. I mean, Usman did a good job with it, but effective body work, it really it, it gets too overlooked, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, a, a significant portion of the success of John Jones throughout his entire career has been body work. I mean, he made Shogun Hua tap to strikes with a with a liver shot. Um, that's one thing I liked about Usman's performance last week, and he did some really effective body work against. Oh, he did. Him. Oh God, some of those knees he was landing to the body were just punches. Ugh. Punches too. Yeah, he he dug into the body a lot, and it's something that needs to be you know, attacked more. Um, in that same vein, we had Omari Akhmedov defeating Tim Boach via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. A lot of headhunting from both guys. Um, Boach, man, Boach never got going in this fight. And Akhmedov, I, seeing him now up at middleweight, I don't know how he made welterweight as consistently as he did because he's filled out tremendously at middleweight. Uh there's a lot of musculature and vascularity that he seems to have that he cut down when he was cutting to 170 that he's got back now. That's the th- that's the thing about those weight cuts, you know. Especially the big gaps. I mean, one, 185 to 170 is a 15 pound gap. That's why I like when I see some of those weight cutting pictures and guys just look so like unhealthy. Oh, well, it, it's pick- horrible. Weight cutting well, is horrible. It's pictures of Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. When he was cutting down to 125, that looked, I mean, looked scary. Honestly. I mean, even guys who found a lot of success at lower weight classes, if they did the cut wrong. I mean, uh, Michael Bisbing's first fight at middleweight, he looked like a cancer survivor. I mean, he really did not properly handle that weight cut in a lot of respects. And I mean, again, that's where he went on to have all of his success as a fighter. But yeah, weight cutting's a, that's a thing, man. And it's, it's a dangerous thing. Um. This was a generally just kind of math fight, but Akhmedov landed the better punches consistently throughout the fight. He broke Tim Boach's nose. There were a lot of broken noses last night. Rothwell's, I think, got broken. Boach's got broken with a right hand. 
Uh, Yana Kunitskaya's was broken so badly, her nose will now join Rick Franklin's and uh, Brandon Vera's in therapy. Uh, that because that one was bad, and uh, but uh, you know that solid win for Akhmedov. It was a necessary win. You know he's. Uh, I mean, technically, Akhmedov his last loss was to uh, Zaleski dos Santos. He hasn't lost since returning to middleweight. He, you know, uh, he's coming off of again this win, and then before that was the draw with Marvin Vittori. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot here. This was kind of a. Again, it's kind of a mediocre fight generally, but Akhmedov seems to have figured out how to pace himself, if nothing else, because normally he's the guy who was famous for gassing after the first round, given how hard he just went after things. But if he's got that under control, eh, not the worst fighter in the world necessarily, but yeah, again, that his gas tank at welterweight was a severe hindrance to him. And this might have been Boach's last fight. And Boach, you know, never a world beater necessarily, but had some memorable finishes in the UFC. I mean, he threw David Heath onto his head in a hilarious bit. Uh, you know, the comeback against Yushin Okami was, I mean, considering how badly he lost the first two rounds, fairly remarkable. Uh, this was, you know, again, just a, yeah, just kind of your average fight. Uh, you got anything for this one, Jeff? Nope. All right. As for the prelims, Anthony Rocco Martin defeated Sergio Moraes via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Just superior fighting from Martin. Uh, kept his jab working most of the time, calf kicks, constant movement. Uh, Sergio Moraes looked... This was the worst I've seen him look probably in the UFC. He was sluggish. His footwork was bad. His punching technique has never been great, but it just got worse. Uh Commentary mentioned that he might have had a really tough weight cut coming into this fight. And if so, I mean, I, I sympathize because that's got to really suck to have a bad weight cut and then go in there and fight someone like, you know, Rocco Martin, who's a really tough out on the best of days. But, you know, Martin's, uh, you know, he's butting up against like the fringe top 15 area. He's he's undefeated since moving uh, back to welterweight. He's on a four-fight winning streak. Uh, he's finished two of those four. Uh, he knocked out. He knocked out Ryan Lafleur. Submitted Jake Matthews. Uh, I think he's he's kind of becoming a player in the division. I think he's due. Uh, you know, again, a near top fifteen guy. Uh, certainly a lar- uh, slightly higher profile fight next, if nothing else. Um, Yana Kunitskaya defeated Marion Renovi unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Yeah, um, Kunitskaya just took the first two rounds without a lot of controversy. Renault closed strong, and you know credit to Mari and Renault as a 41-year-old mother to be out there, you know, kicking ass like this. I, I mean, she's Kunitskaya is 29, I think, and you know Renault's 41. Uh, she badly broke Kunitskaya's nose in the second round. Again, this was like you know Vera versus Silva. Excuse me, Franklin versus Silva, Vera versus uh, Tiago Santos. This is not Tiago Mejeta Santos. There's another Tiago Santos. Is not with the UFC anymore. Um, she's Tiago Alves's nose in the uh, the Carlos Condit fight got badly broken. This was like that. This was obviously a nose that started out pointing one direction, ended up pointing a completely different direction. 
Uh, credit to her for gutting through that because that kind of damage has stopped a lot of fighters. And she just gutted through it. And the crowd didn't like the decision because, look, Renault took the third round. Hey, Robert, do you think it was worse when Leslie Smith's ear exploded in a UFC fight? Um, I mean, define worse. Like, what's the criteria for worse here? Like, bl- in terms of blood, gushing blood in the, in the visual? I don't think the Smith fight ever developed beyond the kind of injury. Whereas this, like, it, and there's also kind of a history of broken noses being allowed to continue. Whereas your ear falling off is something that a lot of the doctors haven't, you know, looked at a whole lot. I mean, this was a badly broken nose, but... Uh, wasn't the worst break ever, and that e- that ear injury though that has to be one of the one of the most gruesome UFC fight injuries I can ever recall. Uh, I'd have to double check some of the uh, footage on it because yeah, it was pretty nasty. I mean, again, the cauliflower, cauliflower ear ruptured and her ear kind of split in half. It, it was it was gnarly, although it did lead to some great Twitter exchanges between her and Mick Foley. Because if anyone knows about losing an ear. Uh, so yeah, a necessary win for Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, coming off, you know, this was two in a row for her, right? Because she lost to Cyborg and then she'd won. Yeah, she beat Lena Landsberg. And, you know, bantamweight needs, you know, blood to keep things moving. Women's bantamweight's in an awkward spot. Um, Grant Dawson defeated Julian Arosa via unanimous decision, 30-26, 29-27. I don't have an issue with Dawson getting a 10-8 third round. Um, I mean, this was a decently entertaining scrap, but Dawson, if he can't get you down and really control you to get things going, is a little bit you know, not great on the feet. And Julian Arosa is a guy who maybe shouldn't be in the UFC. Just based on you know merit. Um, in our last crappy heavyweight fight of the evening, Maurice Green defeated Jeff Hughes via split decision. Two twenty nine twenty eight for Green, one twenty nine twenty eight for Hughes. This was crappy low level heavyweight MMA. Um, I don't remember who I scored this for live. I don't care. I like I didn't. I I think twenty nine twenty eight for either man is perfectly acceptable. This was just kind of there as a fight. Um, Matt Schnell, with a really beautiful triangle choke, defeats Louis Smolka in the first round. Uh, the way he locked this up after Smolka got out of the first one, uh, he re-hook, he like hooks the leg, gets the triangle in proper position, uh, points his... This is a really like subtle, stupid thing that a lot of people may not notice about triangle chokes, but if you want to kind of tell how tight one can, one is applied... Look at the feet of the person applying it. If their feet are pointed like, um, you know, I think Paul Felder called it, called it ballet toes on commentary. That actually gives the person on bottom more room. If you, To tighten everything up, you want to flex your calf. And you flex your calf by pulling back on, by pulling your feet back, your toes back towards your body so they're flat. And it tightens up. That, that's how that muscle flexes and gets really, really tight. So if you see someone locking up a triangle and they've you know, got proper, you know, uh, foot flexing, it's an indicator of just how tight that whole thing can be. And Schnell with a really you know, textbook triangle choke from that perspective. Uh, good win for him. Uh, again, kind of a needed one. Uh, he was he was the ranked party here, I seem to recall. He was like 
uh, number 15 or 14. Or was he that at flyweight? No, he's ranked at flyweight, not at bantamweight. They were at bantamweight. Ugh, I hate that they show rankings for fighters when they're not fighting in the division in which they're ranked. But this is three in a row for him. And, uh, you know, dude's coming along. Um, Alex Morono defeated Zach Otto via TKO in the first round. Uh, a lot of meh. I mean, Morono's uh, an interesting guy to watch in some respects because he's got a decent kicking game. He's got decent hands, even if they're held in awkward positions. Uh, his grappling is perpetually underappreciated because his uh, his submission game is quite good. He wrapped up a guillotine as Otto tried to take down and used that to roll into mountain from there, just bludgeoned Otto into submission. And kicking everything off, Alex White defeated Dan Moret via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. White had a really tough first round. He got a pretty nasty cut, actually. It was deep. This wasn't the longest of cuts, but it was a pretty deep one from the way it looked. But he rallied back, won the second and third. Uh, yeah, good for him. I mean, that that was his... It wasn't his first UFC win, but man, did he need that. He's still a technically losing UFC fighter. He's one, two, three. He's four and five in the UFC. So he needed that one pretty badly. All right, that was your set of prelims. So, Jeff, any burning desires you have from that group of fights? No. All right, and again, that was UFC on ESPN Plus 4 slash UFC Fight Night 146. Thanks to those of you who did uh, follow along live. Uh, Again, this was not a very hyped card, but I appreciate you guys showing up. To everyone who read after the fact, I always thank you guys for patronizing my work because I know you can go so many different places how, for how what are I do. The functions on ESPN plus for you now. I mean, they've clearly addressed a few things that were problematic. Um, I still, there's a few issues of, I, I don't get too many glitches uh, that I can directly attribute to ESPN plus as opposed to, you know, my internet glitching out or my browser having a problem. Every now and then it happens, but that happens with every live streaming service. Uh, It's, I don't know. I mean, I don't, ESPN doesn't carry a lot that interests me. (laughs) So I don't know how its functionality works. I don't like getting ads on my streaming service. So just, I have a personal objection to that. That's a big thing for me. But I mean, it's better than when they launched. And that's really all you can ask for in some respects. I don't think there have been any major errors that I've encountered. But WWE Network has that too. And that kind of annoys me. Yeah. I think, actually, I think it's more the preview show, the kickoff shows, which you can watch on the WWE Network, but are simulcast. But that still annoys me nonetheless. Yeah, I, again, I, I won't use Hulu for that reason. Like, I just don't like... commercials on my streaming content if i'm paying you to have access to your content i don't hulu had when hulu was an in-browser like free service yeah if when i had yeah i i could understand having the ads um the programs when i had access to it for free then yes i understood the ads because they're providing a service when but like the reason i never got hulu plus or whatever it is was because 
I had a friend that did and said, yeah, I still have the same number of ads that you do. I went, I'm nuts to that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, 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 I'm sorry. That's moronic. I'm not paying, I'm not paying to watch ads. You know, I, I mean, to me, that's the whole, to me, getting an ad free experience is why you pay for a premium su- subscription service for like streaming media. Don't you agree? I agree. So uh, minor nitpick there aside, uh, I don't have any major issues with the platform necessarily at the moment, though, you know, Mm. might change in the future. Who knows? All right. Speaking of ESPN plus next week, UFC fight night, 147 slash UFC on ESPN plus four. And even I heard you say Slevin, like lucky number Slevin. I've never seen the movie. Decent movie. Uh, one one forty seven. Uh, again, the UFC is back in London for this event. They're at the O2 Arena, and in the main event, Darren Till tries to bounce back from that humiliating defeat at the hands of Tyron Woodley. Um, bear in mind when I say humiliating, I don't mean that you know losing to Tyron Woodley is any great shame, but man, he did not look good in that fight. Uh, he will be taking on. Jorge Masvidal, who ends a pretty significant layoff. Masvidal last, was last seen fighting Stephen Thompson November of 17. Yeah, so that's over a year. Uh, Masvidal's on a two-fight losing streak. Though it's arguable he should have won the Maya fight, and I wouldn't disagree with that uh, assessment. Um. This is a tough one because there's things that Masvidal does that are probably going to give Darren Till problems. Masvidal's a solid boxer. He has pretty good head movement. He has good hands. He understands footwork in a lot of ways that Till struggles with. Uh, Masvidal will be the smaller party fairly significantly, I think. Uh, Because Masvidal spent a lot of time at lightweight. And Darren Till would have to cut off a limb to make lightweight. But, you know, a lot of Darren Till's kind of, you know, bouncing counters. If Darren Till does a, you know, kind of a carbon copy of what Stephen Thompson did, he might find success, but... Here's here's my thing about Masvidal. He is a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like he's sort of been an underachiever throughout his career. That's fair. And he always comes up short in his biggest fights. Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson... Earlier, Benson Henderson. Those really important fights that could have like launched him into the upper echelon are the ones where he tends to lose. Um, so who who is bitten off more than they could chew here? Is it Darren Till or Stephen Thompson? Uh, excuse me, George Masvidal, Robert. Uh, I don't know. Again, I've gone back and forth on this because you know Darren Till's a big guy who understands kicking who's got power. On the other end, you have Masvidal, who's... You know, Masvidal's got some pretty significant power as well. Masvidal, more of a combination fighter. Over five rounds is kind of... five. The, the five-round potential, I think, is what's kind of swinging me around here, because I think if it were three rounds, I'd favor Till. Now, Till has gone five tough rounds before against he has. Thompson. And they have a slight, well, I guess a, I guess he does have a slight size advantage. 
This is funny. His Wikipedia page says he's a middleweight. <laughs> or I guess I guess because I guess he did fight at middleweight. He's, he's probably fought at middleweight in the past. But it does say he's 185 pounds. But that's funny. Um, I don't. I mean, it's it's hard because of the whole because of the size in the weight cut and we know but it's hard it's hard to analyze a fight around that so i don't know it is because you know, some me. fighters struggle with it for a while and then figure out the magic formula matt because masvidal when he turns it on he he is a beast well, oh yeah when he's when he goes when masvidal is ready to actually go and fight yeah uh, i mean again he i you can argue he won the the damian maya fight and or that it should have been scored for him if nothing else and i don't disagree with that necessarily i mean he handed cerrone one of his most brutal losses ever mm. i mean that was that was a he, the the stoppage he threw on donald was pretty brutal i might end up hating myself next week but i'm gonna go ahead and pick darren tell yeah i mean i, mean, I for me, I think you kind of hit on the thing about Masvidal that he's he's just kind of inconsistent. You know, there's well, you know, just come up against this situation that, you know, and in I some cases, I think this is a winnable fight for him. I don't is. think this is necessarily Darren. I don't think this is necessarily Darren Tell's fight to lose. I think no. this is in many ways. I think if Masvidal is prepared, I think he could give Till a lot of problems. Now, you know, Masvidal has done surprisingly well for himself throughout his career. I never really thought much of him in Strike Force, and then he fought Gilbert Melendez. He gave Gil- Gilbert Melendez a tough fight, but he still lost uh, in their- when they fought for the lightweight title. So, hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and pick Till, but I might be hating myself next weekend. We'll see. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards Till as well. I mean, let me I just, will, yeah, uh, go ahead. I won't be surprised if Masvidal wins at all, but I can't, you know, like picking him in this kind of situation is, you know, it, it's, it's tough. I, whoever I go with, it's a lean rather than like a really solid. No, I think so-and-so is going to win. Now I'll lean towards Darren Till, but, uh, I again, I won't be surprised if Masvidal wins this. Masvidal, again, when he's on, he's a tough fight for anyone in any division he's competing, and he's a tough fighter. Uh, I mean, I think one of the real battles will be Darren Till on the scale again, because that's a tough cut for him. Uh, your co-main event is the more interesting welterweight up-and-coming contender, Leon Edwards. Uh, Leon Edwards on a significant winning streak. What, six fights? Six or seven. Two, three, four, five. Yeah, six in a row. Coming off of that win over Donald Cerrone. Um, geez, his only UFC losses are to Claudio Silva in a fight that he probably should have won and Usman. Oh, good grief. Yeah, Edwards is fighting uh, Gunnar Nelson. This is a very relevant... In many ways, this is a more relevant fight for the division than uh, the main event. Because Edwards could make a case for a rematch. 
And Gunnar Nelson is... Okay, Gunnar's not really in a position to be in the title picture necessarily, but if he beats Edwards, he's in a much better spot than he was. Um, Nelson coming off of that win over Alex Oliveira. For that, he was knocked out by Ponzinibbio. This is tough just because if Gunnar Nelson's able to get this to the ground, he is the vastly superior grappler. But his striking style is very exposed. And Leon Edwards is a very well-schooled fighter. You know what? I'm going to go with Edwards. I'm probably going to feel like an idiot next week when Gunner is able to drag him down and then drown him in jiu-jitsu, but I'll, I'll take that chance. I'll, I'll potentially look like it, feel like an idiot next week. I'll go with Edwards here. I think he's going to be able to find something in terms of his preparation and in Gunner's habits that he's able to exploit, and he's going to... Uh, win and continue marching on. I'm, I got Edwards here. Jeff, tell me why I'm wrong, because I'm pretty sure you're going with uh, Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson, the original cold-blooded thriller killer, the Icelandic terror. He's going to put Edwards on his back. He's going to put him on the canvas and make him wish he never stepped foot in the octagon. It's going to be a bloody, bloody bloodbath on a submission grappling scale. All right. I think that's all you really need to say. That's fair enough. Next up, we have light heavyweights. And I'm not actually going to make a joke about this one because this is a relevant fight. Volkan Uzdemir, the man who uh, burst onto our consciousness and then just as quickly seems to have faded from it. Uh Back-to-back losses for the first time in his career. Uh, lost to Daniel Cormier and then Anthony Johnson, or excuse me, Anthony Smith, not Anthony Johnson. Uh, fighting the last standing up-and-coming, you know, kind of prospect at 205, well, prior to the introduction of Johnny Walker, Dominic Reyes. Reyes is 10-0. and He's 4-0 in the UFC, 3-0. Four. Uh, he's finished three of those four wins. Um, last beat OSP. Uh, this this is another step up for Reyes, but it's another one I think he can handle. Again, Uzdemir is an explosive guy in close quarters, a lot of power. But if you can keep him at distance, and if you can avoid kind of the rushes he does, I think you can. You know, that seems to be the key to his success. Is either him closing distance or you closing it for him and then him catching you in you know in close quarters with his powerful shots. I think Reyes at distance, uh, leg kicks, body kicks, because Reyes is a tall guy. He's taller than Uzdemir by a fairly significant margin, I seem to recall. Uzdemir is 6'1". Reyes is like 6'4". He is 6'4", jeez. Yeah, I, I got Reyes here. I think Reyes continues his his march towards, you know, the title picture at some point. And it's light heavyweight. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I've, I've kind of been on the Reyes hype train a little bit uh, since his UFC debut. So I'm going to enjoy the ride for all of the bumps that it's going to take until it derails and kills all of us horribly. Uh, how about you, Jeff? You going with the ooze man, Ivan Ooze here? Well, I'm picking Dominic Reyes. I don't dislike Uzdemir, but he, you know, talk about inconsistency. 
Are we forgetting his UFC debut? Do you remember that fight? Uh, short notice against OSP. He won a that's decision. A, fight kind of sucked. That's a fight I would love to forget because that fight was horrible, Robert. It was not a good fight. It was That was a borderline, not even a borderline. That was basically a worst fight of the year candidate. The, then he, he turns around, beats an exciting up-and-coming surgeon light heavyweight, Serkinov, in the first round. Knocks out, knocks out both Serkinov and uh, Manawa under a minute. Yep. So he gets quickly sought, slotted into a title fight against Cormier. Loses that. Looks fairly, uh, honestly, unimpressive in that. I mean, granted, a lot of guys look... Everyone except John Jones basically looks unimpressive about Cormier. Okay, but then gets submitted by Anthony Smith. So... I don't. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not sold on this guy, mainly because of the o, uh, OSP fight, and just because I feel like he overperformed a couple times. I'm picking Reyes. So yeah. All I right. Like Reyes. Next up, we have one of the better bantamweight prospects, Nathaniel Wood, taking on Jose Alberto Quinones. Sorry, there's just too many accents in that name. I have to try and say it that way. I apologize. I know I'm butchering uh, it. Sounded right. Sounded right to me. Uh, Quinones is on a four-fight winning streak. He's four and one in the UFC. Right. I mean, this is a significant step up in competition Came for him. Came into his... the UFC at three and one. Wow. Uh, yeah, he was part Came of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Yeah. Yeah. And lost to. Alejandro Perez, and I mean, Perez turned out to be kind of a decent prospect at bantamweight, if nothing else. Um, this is, a, again, this is a step up in competition for Quinones, whose best win is probably uh, Teruto Ishihara, and Ishihara shouldn't be in the UFC. Nathaniel Wood, he is 2-0 in the UFC, 15-3 overall. Uh, wins over Johnny Eduardo and Andre Ewell. Um, yeah. I uh, again, I'm not calling Wood a you know a contender or anything, but I think he's one of the more intriguing prospects we've seen in yeah, a while. Yeah, I got a favor. I got a favor Wood in this. Right. Fight. I got Wood here pretty heavily. God, that sounded thank, bad. Thank you. That thank sounded you. so bad. I. <laughs> oh. EMI. Thank you for sharing. Not the worst thing I've ever said on this podcast. I'm really feeling Wood for this fight. <laughs> yeah. I've got wood. Oh, God. I could make so many. All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough of the bad jokes. I don't edit this. This is all going in. So His listen. name is Wood. What are you? I know. What are you? What are you suggesting here? Look, get your mind out of the gutter, Mister Winfrey. Look, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> so, did, uh, so did you. Yeah. No. No, I didn't actually. I didn't say it in my head before I said it out loud. Was the problem there? Uh, no. I I like Nathaniel Woods. Uh, chances here again. I this is kind of a showcase. This is designed to showcase for him. He's from he's from England, I seem to recall. So this is you know hometown guy that's on the up and up. That, yeah, he's from London. He's from actually London. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I got I got Wood. He's he should be able to it take is, this. Yeah. It's the phraseology I use. Uh. Also, at wel- a lot of welterweights on this card. Jeez. Uh, Danny Roberts 
Uh, hot chocolate. This will be a hard fight for Wood. Yeah, I mean, not the easiest fight in the world, but I I don't imagine there'll be he'll encounter too many difficulties. Uh, Danny Roberts on a two fight winning streak. Uh, knocked out Oliver Encamp, got a split decision over David Zawada. Fighting Claudio Silva. Jeez. Silva's on a 12-fight winning streak. And it's beaten Leon Edwards. Uh, Brad Scott, Nordine Taleb. Man, I kind of like Silva here. I mean, Roberts is the local guy. I think Roberts is from Manchester as opposed to London, but you know, England. He was born in London, but I, I can't remember. He fights out of London. I might be confusing him with someone else who just has a different accent then. But I actually kind of like Silva here. I think Claudio Silva might be one of those underappreciated guys who's coming up through welterweight. Uh, so, anyway. So, what do you think about this one now that we've moved on from the bad jokes? Uh, Danny Roberts or Claudio Silva? Uh, Claudio Silva. Leaning uh, from Claudio Silva, yes. All right. We also have at middleweight Jack Marshman against John Phillips. I believe this is kind of a gimme for Jack Marshman. He's Welsh, right? Yep, yep. He's from Wales. Marshman was one of the first Welsh fighters in the UFC, if memory serves me correctly. He's also only two and three in the UFC. Coming off of losses to Antonio Carlos Jr. and Carl Robertson. But he's fighting John Phillips. I think this is his second UFC fight. Unless I'm confusing him with a different Phillips. I'm going to have to look this up. So, Tapology, please tell me what ranking you have for Mr. Phillips as it pertains to the Isles of Britain. Because they're actually pretty good about that. Um, let's see. Phillips, 21 and 8. Third fight in the UFC. Uh, lost to Charles Bird and lost to Kevin Holland. Am I confusing? Oh, no, I remember at least one of those fights. Okay, yeah, Marshman. But these two are going to punch each other in the face. Uh, that's their whole style, so that ought to be something at least. Uh, so, Jeff, what do you think? Does uh, does Marshman break his losing streak, or is the White Mike Tyson, and that is his actual nickname, apparently, John Phillips score a win? Really? I don't... That sounds like a very kind of... Uh unfortunate nickname to go with i it's not one i would choose i mean uh i'm picking marshman i guess what do you think about john phillips uh, i mean he's 0-2 in the ufc he's one of those guys who got in because he trains out of sbg ireland Sorry, I, I shouldn't say it that dismissively because he actually had a pretty decent run coming into the UFC. Uh, Marshman wasn't... I mean, Marshman doesn't really look like... 
Look, cut the loser of this fight and then cut the winner after they lose their next fight. Like, I don't think either of these guys are really UFC caliber fighters. I'll go with Marshman. I don't feel, I don't, I mean, I don't feel super committed about Marshman, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with Marshman. Marshman, yeah. All right. As for the prelims, um, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Arnold Allen is fighting Jordan Rinaldi. Um, Allen's on a pretty significant winning streak. He's 13 and one overall. He is four and zero in the UFC. Uh, finished two of those coming off of the win over Mads Brunel. Like Allen's someone I think to kind of pay attention to at featherweight going forward. And Rinaldi, uh, coming off of that win over Jason Knight, he lost to Gregor Gillespie and Abel Trujillo. But he's beaten. Uh, okay, Alvaro Herrera shouldn't be in the UFC. Uh, and again, this is again like your main event of the prelims. I think it's a good spot for this fight. There's there's some potential there, and I I kind of like Ar- Arnold Allen. We were supposed to have Gukan Saki fighting Saperbek Safarov here, but Saki had to pull out with an injury. And instead, we get <clears throat> excuse me the UFC debutante Nikolay. I'm going to butcher this gentleman's last name. I apologize in advance. Negu Moreno. Going with Negu Moreno. uh, Until I hear it pronounced. If he has a different way, he'd rather pronounce it. Um, Negu Moreno is Belgian? Moldovan? Romanian. I should have known better than... Okay, I'm, I'm going to give myself a minor pass because Romania and... Moldova has a crest in the middle, but Romania and some other country have like the exact same flag. It's the same colors in the same order and the same bar pattern. It's annoying. Um, Negu Moreno is undefeated. Um, 9-0. It's not nothing. And Safarov's not exactly a world beater. Uh, Safarov... You know what? Screw it. I'll go with the new guy. Why not? I'm going to hate typing out his last name over and over again, but I'll live with it. Uh, Tom Breeze is fighting Ian Heinish. Heinch? Depends on... Eh, going with Heinch. I'll assume there's more German influence in his name. Uh, Tom Breeze. Boy, remember when he was going to be a thing? Because I remember when he was going to be a thing. <laughs> Uh, Breeze was last seen in May of last year, beating Dan Kelly. I imagine he'll win here. Heinish is, he's fought in the UFC before, but he beat, he beat Cesar Fajaya. I remember that fight. Still going with Breeze. Um, we also have a belt between Mark Jacquesi and Joseph Duffy. That's not a bad fight. Um, boy, Jacasey's nearly flamed out. Plus three in a row. Jeez, yeah, he's flamed out. I'll go with Joe Duffy, but if Jacasey's going to get another win, it's going to be at the expense of a guy like Joe Duffy. Um, Danny Henry will fight Dan Ige. Um, Henry. Beat Tamer and Hakeem Dawadu. <laughs> Dawadu. And Ige, two-fight winning streak, 3-1 and one in the UFC. Lost to Julio Arce, though. 
I'll go with Henry. I think Ige is an enhancement talent at this point. At women's flyweight, Molly McCann will fight Priscilla Cachuea. Why? Why do you do this to me, UFC? Why do you think this is a good idea? I mean, Priscilla Cachuea was just a crash test dummy to get people hyped about Valentina Shevchenko. And fine, but why keep her around? Um, I'll go with Molly McCann, but I... I hate to say that neither of these ladies are any good, but... The evidence is what the evidence is on that front. And kicking everything off, Mike Grundy will fight Nad Narami... Excuse me, Narimani. I don't know anything about either of these gentlemen. Narimani's fought in the UFC before, at least once. I know... uh, Twice. He's got two wins in the UFC. Beat Anderson Dos Santos... I vaguely remember this guy now. This is Grundy's UFC debut. Seem to recall. Yes, he is. 11-1. and one. Nah, go, go, I'll go with Naramani. Uh, all things considered there. Alright, Jeff, uh, that's a group of prelims, if nothing else. So, uh, anything stick out for you there? Anything you want to touch on? Any burning desires? Fights in a place. Fair enough. All right, that should bring us to our news segment of the week. So, uh, what do we want to talk about? What well, what uh, major news has broken over the last? Now, of this days? comes from Dave Meltzer, so of course take it with a grain of salt. But according to Meltzer, UFC 235 in terms of pay per view buys did high high fives or low six uh, low sixes. So basically. Like like uh, high high five hundred thousand like five hundred thousand and change or low six hundred thousand and change so pretty significant all things considered for um a you a pay per view card in twenty nineteen yeah they'd kill to have that consistently at this point um even semi, even semi consistently really yeah I mean you know John's uh John's, John's- a bit of a draw. I don't think he's. I don't think you'll get to you know a million with him necessarily. Right. But really, that... I think since the um, whenever I guess with it with John Jones, it's a uh, it's partly a situation of controversy creates cash. But I recall his fight with Evans that drew decent money, as I recall. Yeah, well, e- Evans was also a somewhat underappreciated draw, right? True. Um, John, I think, is at this point also heavily reliant on his opponent because his return against Cormier did really good numbers. And the Gustafson rematch uh, did solid as well. The first one, but the first one did not. No, the first one didn't, but the rematch did well. There were were times early on in his career where he wasn't that big of a draw, really. No, it's, it's a thing that's kind of, you know, matured a bit over time even if john right jokes about john notwithstanding but um i mean for a guy that you know and and i I don't mean to be dismissive of anthony smith but for a guy who just kind of worked his way through you know a few aging legends and then got thrust into the title scene that's a solid number you know there wasn't a lot of hype there wasn't a lot of you know build for that fight this wasn't a guy who had burnt who had you know bulldozed his way through the division you you had two title you had two really good on paper two really good title fights here 
And you had a fairly good undercard as well. Yeah, they 235 was a relatively well put together card, all things considered. And hopefully this means like the UFC, uh, the ESPN effect is helping. So one can hope. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I mean, it was pla- it was plastered all over ESPN's website. Now they, the, in the lead the up to that event, Meltzer threw out was five hundred seventy five thousand. So, but I mean, honestly, we don't know. We never really know the actual pay per view numbers. Now, uh, even when the UFC talks about them, they're under no legal obligation to disclose right. the actual number. That was the funniest right. thing in the world when the numbers for um, I think it was McGregor Mayweather, right. When they, because the UFC touted it as being, you know, this enormous number, and don't get me wrong, it was huge. But when, like, when Showtime, I think it was Showtime, was one of the pay per view, like, there were pay per view carriers that, because they're publicly traded companies, are under legal, are, are under the, you know, the legal auspices of we must report factually correctly all of these, you know, all of these things. And the UFC kind of got into a hissy fit with them over. That, but you know, again, like they have to tell, they are under again federal. They're they're under law. Like you can't lie to the public about those things if you're the pay per view provider like that. The UFC is under no such obligation. Okay, now, now, just for comparison, the number that was now this is the reported number, not the official, was um for one for two thirty four, which had the canceled Whitaker Gaslam fight in. Silva versus Adesanya as the new main event. That was 175,000. Yeah, that that poor event. I mean, that was never going to do gangbusters anyway, much as I love Bobby Knuckles. The man's not a draw. It's a shame because he's great. But 233 got canceled. The number we have for uh, the number we have for 232, which was the rematch with Jones and Gustafson um, and uh, Cyborg versus Nunez, uh, 700,000. So that's a pretty solid. Solid. That's solid. Good number. So, so yeah, Jones definitely has come up in the world in, in terms of his drawing power. Now let now let's look at um now two thirty one. We don't even have a number, and that was Holloway Ortega Shevchenko. I'd be curious to know how Holloway versus Ortega did in terms of pay per view buys. Probably, I, I hate to say it, but if they're not reporting anything, probably not good. Um, it looks like the fight did well in terms of uh, in terms of um, attendance and gate. They usually do. The UFC usually does very well at the gate, wherever uh, they are. Well, this was in Toronto, and I mean, you didn't, oh yeah, and you didn't really have like a like a like a jam packed Canadian co main event. Like there wasn't a lot of Canadian intrigue in the main or co main here. So I'd be curious to know what they did for this car. Um, Cause this was, cause that was a really good fight card, Robert. Yeah, that one, that, that was a real, yeah. That again, Holloway and Ortega was great. That was a genuinely great fight. Uh, I, I enjoyed for what it was, Shevchenko and Joanna. Uh, it was a solid card. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So this, I, I'm, I'm trying to source this, but I'm reading in a report that it was two hundred fifty thousand for. Okay, so yeah, the Observer reported two hundred fifty thousand for, for um, excuse me, for Holloway versus Ortega. So that's pretty good. I mean, not great, but here's what I would say. I mean, in twenty nineteen, all things being equal, that's decent. I would say that's decent. 
I mean, especially considering, you know, Holloway's time on the shelf. And that Holloway's I've, time on the shelf. But Holloway has not been a significant draw himself. Like that for Holloway, that's pretty big. That's probably a step up from the last Cardi headline. I think that's big enough and and I think for Holloway, I think that's probably big enough for his for his uh pay per view bonus. I think the my understanding based on what we've what's been reported before, so don't quote me on this, is I think for a pay-per-view um bonus to kick in, it starts at I think the ceiling is two hundred thousand, right? I have no idea. I mean that that will also vary wildly from uh, individual contract right. to individual well, contract. Uh, I believe for a UFC champion, I believe that the bottom now uh, I forget it could be two hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, but there was a time it, when it was probably four hundred. But I think it increases the amount based on the amount it sells, based on the sell through amount. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a gradu- I think it's a graduated system. Like if you're right. within this tier, you know, say two hundred to four thousand four hundred as a by way of example. Like then you, you get, get X. like you get a dollar per buy. You get a dollar per buy for every. Uh, when it meets, so I think, so Holloway's get getting there. I think his. Uh, so I guess the true test will be how his fight with um, Poirier uh, does at two thirty six. That's gonna be a, that'll be an interesting one. So I'm not saying they've turned the pay per view thing around, but they're doing better. They've probably done better in the last year than they have in recent years. They did have a couple bad years. They had some really bad years. <laughs> but yeah, 2014 was probably the worst. Yeah, they're probably in a better spot now than they were again. Like they're probably in they're probably in the at the best spot they've been Don't in over the last say three years. Clean. No, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, like if they can keep John Jones active and out of trouble, like yep. they'll be they'll be doing better than they have in quite a while, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was interesting, and I th- I ju- I think at least you know it shows that John Jones has become a considerable draw compared to where he was mm, earlier in his career. Yeah, I mean earlier he was a lot more up and down. Uh, now he seems to have kind of settled into a you know at a minimum five hundred thousand buy rate guy. Um. Now I guess the story was a while back. That it looked like uh, there was intri- they were gonna maybe do Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Apparently, there's been some roadblocks in that fight. According to Cerrone, um, Conor McGregor wants the fight to be in the main event, and the UFC doesn't want to make it the main event because a title's not on the line. So, oh god, this is the dumbest thing ever. Even though the UFC has booked non-title fights with. McGregor as the main event of pay-per-views before even and, though made, they, and became two like two of the highest selling UFC pay-per-view events ever were McGregor in the main event in a non-title fight who started this policy is it Ari Manuel I no, it predates the sale does it a little uh, they were clearly trending in that direction before the WME buyout but in buyout. 2016 they had the they had two McGregor fight non-title fights as main events did they not yeah. It, again, like I think if you want to try and if you want to try and actually um track the la- you know 
you you have to kind of like remove McGregor from the equation because mm-hmm. um, Adesanya versus um just happened. God, my brain just blanked on me. Adesanya versus Silva was I think the was one of the like first times in years that a uh, well, it was one of the first times in years that a main event was only three rounds. It was also one of the very few times that a non-title fight headlined a pay-per-view over the last again you know, over the last few years. You had because I think if you exclude McGregor versus Diaz because of you know quasi-exceptional circumstances, then you have to go back quite a ways to find a non-title fight. Uh, in that type of position. I mean, I don't think there was one in... God, yeah, you have to go way back. Jeez. I, I To me, it's just, you can have relevant fights in the main event and have it be a pay-per-view card. I, uh, bear in mind, I completely agree. Like, I, I think it's kind of stupid that they went that... that they've made such a hard line about it. And I mean, in this instance, why not, especially, just, why not just do the stupid 160, 165 pound division now? Just go ahead and do it. I mean, why not? I mean, I don't have a good reason. I don't know. As I, mean, I said on Facebook, like the UFC is they they took hardline stances. You know, you talk about hardline stances. The UFC took a hardline stance on women's featherweight at one point. Do you remember that, Robert? I do. Women's featherweight, and they even said women's flyweight was not going to happen once. I'm fairly certain. Am I wrong? I believe that was said. In fairness, I still don't think they need women's flyweight. Okay, but they added those. They added those divisions, and they added those titles. So, if it's so important to them that they have title fights on pay-per-view cards, why not just add another division? Another title. You know they are. You know they are dying to put Conor McGregor in another UFC title fight, right? I think they're dying to have Conor McGregor fight on pay per view. I also think they're trying to. But why? But why? But 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 why do you want to put Conor McGregor in a co-main event on pay per view in three rounds? I mean, I. I could tell you why, but it's a stupid... Let me be clear. I think it's a stupid reason, but I know why. Why? They're sick of Conor McGregor exerting influence over them. Look, we, we, we've had I this... Mean, discuss- hang on. We've talked in the past about how they let McGregor get out of control. Right. I think they're trying to rein him in. I think that is... the. I think the, a large portion I mean, of the impetus for their decision-making here is no Conor... We're the ones in charge, not you. I mean, I I think if they're trying to, if that if that is part of it, and we're just speculating here, we don't know this for certain. I just think, to me that to me that that doesn't work. That's not the way to go about it. But I don't disagree with honestly. You. Honestly, though, I mean. I'm not I'm not trying to defend McGregor here because I, I I have a big axe against McGregor right now and 
I still think he got up very light over that uh, over the the Dolly Carton incident. Um, I would just say create the new division, create the new title, and call it a day. If it's if that's a holdup, because. I think there are enough bodies at lightweight. Don't you agree? Where... Oh, the, oh, no, no. If you're going to add a division, 165 is probably the division to add. If you look at the amount of bodies at 155 and 170, right. that could move between. And again, I don't think you need to. I think you I need to kind like, of. I feel like you could do that without seriously depleting either division. Oh, absolutely. There's mo- there's more than enough talent and more than enough raw bodies in both of those divisions to fuel 165. And if that- Connor doesn't want to take that fight, then just go ahead and book, book uh, Donald Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson. Because Tony Ferguson deserves a UFC title contest. You must you must want to watch Cowboy die in the cage, man. I mean. That would be I I want to I want to see a great fight. I want to see Tony Ferguson get his UFC title shot. I agree. I, and I would uh, love to see a, a fight like that. No, it's a great fight. Oh, for the record, if you exclude um if you exclude Diaz versus McGregor, the last pay per view event headlined by a non title fight was UFC one eighty three, uh, January of two thousand fifteen, Silva versus Diaz. Uh oh okay, so that was in so in 2015. So they did, but they still did it three times. I want to say three times that year, right? What 15? Or wait, or was it? No, that that's it. So they did it once in 2015 and twice in 2016, basically. Uh, I'd have to double check the dates on both the Diaz fights. I don't remember if they were both in the same calendar year. Ian versus uh, McGregor 2 was August 2016. Okay, so they did it twice in 16. Then if we go back into, like, 14, I don't think they had a non-title fight at any point in 2014 headline of pay-per-view. What what about Evans? When did Evans versus Henderson happen? Um, 161, so that was 2013. Yeah, that, so at so at no point in fourteen did they have one. It was an awful card. It really was. I think even in thirteen it, there was. It's, it's hard to keep track because there are so many events. I mean, even for pay per view events, there are a lot still. Yeah, it's it's absolutely the rarity. And hold, and let me be clear. I think. I think in this case, you should just put McGregor and Cowboy in the main event. That's just my opinion on this. Like, yeah. if you don't make it you, a non-title main event, boot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, there's no title fight you can make right now that's bigger than that Connor. That would make money. A lot of it. I mean, it is the main attraction. That is the. That's what everyone's going to tune in to see. Make it your weird, main event. I and and I'm not even against the title main event policy, but I mean. It doesn't have to be absolute. If, as a guideline, it's a good guideline. No one to deviate from was, it. Normally, the guideline was the higher weight class is the main event, but they twisted that around now and again. Yeah. And so, again, I, I, I think they should just do Cerrone versus McGregor in the main event. The only reason they're, they're kind of going through these motions is an attempt to regain 
some leverage and power over McGregor because he is arguably the more powerful bargaining entity at the moment, and the UFC doesn't like it. Okay, here you go. You should like this fight. So this is from ESPN on March 7th. Uh, Yoel Romero versus Jacare to headline um, UFC card on April 27th. They're in Fort Lauderdale for that, yes? That's a... I mean, I've wanted Jacare... The rematch. I mean, I, I mean... Well, this was supposed Jacare. to be Romero and Costa, and then uh, Costa fell out. I mean... I enjoy- it's better than their first fight, but I'm... I, I kind I, of enjoyed their first fight. <laughs> all right. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm completely okay with the rematch. All I right. Well, is going to win this time, so I hope you're okay with that. I enjoy both guys. You know, I don't really care who wins. Um... Something about something about what Mark Goddard said to Kamaru Usman. Uh, I actually think I lean towards Romero in that fight, just because Jacare's, I don't know, he's slowed down a little bit. He, I mean, he can still win the fight, and I won't be shocked if he does. But um, any other any other fights that have been announced over the last week that we want to touch on before we move on to another thing? Um. Not sh- uh, I, I think there were the last couple of events have been kind of holding up some announcements for um, oh 237 they still don't have a main event listed for 237 Aspen Lab versus Sajara Banks in Rochester uh, okay 237 got some finalized bouts yeah. um, Namayunas, uh, Rose Namayunas defending the, ti- the strawweight title against Jessica Andrade is scheduled as your co-main event for 237 Jose Aldo versus Alexander Volkanovsky. I am so sad about this fight. Um, I love oh. Volkanovsky. I don't like that. I don't like that idea, man. I, I mean, this is my that thing idea. about this is my thing about this fight. If Jose Aldo's plan is really to again fight three times this year in Brazil and then retire, and he's not going to fight for the belt again, now I don't. Again, those are ifs. He's gonna wait. Fight three more times. This year, not not three more times, three times total this year. So he's already wait. This would be his second fight in 2019. Okay, I thought he, I. Okay, so he still have after this. He would have one more. One more after this fight. I just if I, he, if that's the case, I don't think I, this fight makes no sense. I don't like him knocking off contenders, man. <laughs> Put him in there with. He knocked off two contenders, two Thank really you. good contenders, really. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Stevens rises to. I don't know though. Had Stevens won that fight, he would have. Stevens so was for, having the best run of his career. He at that was having point. a he was having a darn good run. But Moicano was absolutely Moicano was absolutely a contender on the rise. You can't tell me Stevens was was not a top fiver at that point. He was a top ten guy, clearly. Um, top, I, oh, he was top five. I, he was officially yeah. ranked top five. I seem to recall. Yeah, legitimately, I would say he was. Eh, it'd be quibbling over like two positions, and that's, right. at, right. at, at that at that point, it's pointless. Like that that's not an argument. Um, yeah, if because much as I like Volkanovski, and I really do, and if Jose Aldo comes in and like two of his last three fights are taking out the two rising contenders in Moicano and Volkanovski, to me, it's not like it. It's not sound matchmaking. I'm sorry. I mean, in fairness, if Volkanovski wins, oh, I mean, <laughs> here's the other barn burner for 237. Did you hear about this? 
Dolvin Cannoneer? Nope. BJ uh, Penn versus Clay. Oh, yeah. On May 11th. Was that 237? Or was that a different? That's, it's 237. I, I, I know it's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, God. This is a Legends fight. The Legends fight. Let me be clear about something. I hate this fight. If this fight happened in Bellator, I would hate it. That's how bad this fight is. I don't understand why. Yeah, okay. it's one thing for Dana White to go on, you know, to go to war with Oscar De La Hoya over the whole Chuck Liddell tweet Ortiz thing, and then he turns around and books BJ Penn versus Clay Guida. Yeah, look, the UFC had no moral high ground for that, for what Dana said there. Absolutely none. That was Dana just trying to make hay. And and look, I love BJ Penn, and I respect BJ Penn for what he's done. Absolutely massive sport, contributor to the sport. There's things he was he, doing 15 years ago not, that people still not, haven't caught up to. This is not a Junior Dos Santos situation, you would agree here, right? This oh, is, no. Like, look. This is not even a Diego Sanchez outside the box. Iceman Wim Hof's unlocking the secrets of anti-aging situation. You would also agree with that, right? You know what's crazy? We could actually see the rematch between BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez. If DJ, if BJ moves up to welterweight, yes. You know he'd do it. <laughs> Probably. That would be that would be the no no that would be the genuine saddest thing. BJ Penn, who. Frankly, that fight with Diego when he head kicked him and opened up that gash in his forehead big enough to take his soul out of him. Like axe kicked him. It, it, it looked like an axe cut. It was a straight up head kick. It was a beautiful kick. That whole fight is one of BJ Penn's. Like most... you never saw, you never even saw BJ ever throw a kick like that. In not his... really. He's not a high kick guy. And then he that... throws it, the, and that's that, and that's why you called him the prodigy because then he just suddenly does something and like takes a chunk out of a guy's head. Yeah, that was one of BJ's most complete, most. Uh, his most thoroughly dominant performances ever. And to see him you know, in 2019 rematch and lose to Diego Sanchez, because that's just where both guys are now, would be the saddest thing ever. So now Clay Guida will get his, will probably get a moral victory over BJ Penn in 29. I mean, how can you, on a serious note, how can you pick BJ Penn to win that fight? Sarah didn't come back for like his token memorial fight when the UFC finally made it to New York. You know, it's like, come on. You, You know, the only circumstances by which I would be okay with this. There's exactly one, and that's if the UFC were running in Hawaii. Even then, I would not be okay. I, no, no, no. Even I then, would, I would not be okay with it. I wouldn't. Okay, let me rephrase. I would understand it if BJ Penn, the guy who, if that's the case, then you'd like, all right, fine. Here's your chance. You're going to go I'm fight. Just, you're going to lose, but you get to fight in your home state. You, you get to fight in Hawaii. You get to have that moment. Fair play. I still don't like it, but fair play. This is just stupid. I can almost even kind of believe the whole thing with Ryan Hall was like Ryan Hall wasn't going to do a lot of damage to him. But, he wasn't going to. He wasn't going to inflict bludgeoning damage. Right. Destroy it. Tear his knee into five different pieces. I, I, but, I just don't understand this. Um. I mean, it makes no sense to me. 
I don't I don't get this one at all. I mean, for you, BJ, you couldn't beat Dennis Seaver. Stop fighting in the like US. Like his last semi decent performance was, I think, when he went to decision. I think with John Fitch, as I recall, and then. Then yeah, he, he fought they, Nick they Diaz. Fought he had one good round. He had one good round against Nick Diaz. One good round. He had a good. Fir- yeah, he had a good first round. And then he got. And then he got. And then. And then I was there live for that fight. After the first round, he got annihilated. He got like. He got it's physically so deconstructed. <laughs> like like that. Like you never saw BJ that damaged in a fight. You never saw BJ that ever in his career um i just don't like it robert i don't understand it i mean think about this for just a second the last time bj penn won a fight was washed up matt hughes in 2010 matt hughes was on a winning streak at that point yeah he was washed he was winning but he was washed (laughs) you can win a few fights when you're washed up. so it's been almost 10 years since he won a fight yeah like this is this and is such and, a bad and he's idea. Bit, and he's retired, I think, at le- like twice since then. At least twice. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Um, George Saint Pierre is officially out of the USADA drug testing pool, so that kind of. So if he were to come out of retirement, we would have to have a whole ceremonial thing where he gets back into the testing pool for however many months or whatever. So this seems to cement that the retirement is official. Or at a minimum, his return is going to be, have to be uh, foreshadowed for a for a significantly longer period of time. Or the UFC can use one of their exemptions like they gave Rock. And quite frankly, I don't, I, I could give two pieces of crap about a fight with Khabib. It makes no sense. Now again, I like. I understand it, but like, I, I, I mean, why? I mean, money. That's why. But, 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 it just messes so much up. Yeah. But it also makes a lot of money. Honestly, I don't even think it's that great of a matchup, personally. Eh. I'd be interested in watching it, but again, if again, the reason there's discussion around that is money. Because that would do a lot, a lot, a lot of business. Uh, Herb Dean. Oh, no, that wasn't Herb Dean's comment. Sorry. Uh, Nordine Taleb versus Sayar in UFC Ottawa. Decent fight. Not a right. fight. Oh, um, Mackenzie Dern is having a baby. Eh, good for her. Getting that. Ex- I'm going to steal Jack Slack's joke and just say getting that excuse for missing weight the next time out of the way early. Uh, thank you. That's very, that's very appropriate of you, Robert. Hey, I, I gave credit where it was that's due. Kind it's of not mean, my that's joke. That's kind of mean, but okay. She missed weight like three times. Okay. Um, so she, yeah, I, mean, I mean, again, on a serious note, yes, congratulations. The, this the, won't end her fight career, but it is, you know, she'll have to put it, you know, aside for yeah. a little while. I mean, yeah, motherhood doesn't mean like you're going to have to quit fighting forever. Just, but you, you know, you, you do need, I mean, you need to, you need to have the pregnancy and you do need to take time to raise your baby for a little bit. 
you know, before you can. Yeah, she'll be, she'll be out of action for probably at least a year. All at, le- at least, at least not, not permanently, but for a while. So, um, let's see. Um, do you ever watch uh, Tommy Tollhold's videos? On occasion, I don't seek them out necessarily. I, I, just, I just enjoyed where he, he had the segment where he would have Mackenzie Dern, and he would have a tra- like she would basic she's basically speaking English, and then he would have his translator uh, translating her English her in- her English words into English. I always thought that was clever. That is pretty funny, actually. Um, let's see. Nothing against Mackenzie Dern, but yeah, her whole. It's, it- it's a funny thing. Like let's... the whole tilt, the tilt status a- accent always amused me. Um, I think that's it for major fight announcements. I'm looking over again. Two thirty seven getting kind of finalized and fleshed out was the kind of the big thing. Because uh, two thirty six, man, two thirty six needs to get fleshed out too in a pretty big way. You have yeah, the top two next month, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, April thirteenth, so about a month away. So let's see. So they have the two title fight, the two interim title fights. Two interim title fights. St. Prue versus Krylov. Uh, Anders versus Roundtree. It's it's not quite a one fight card. It's a two fight card. At the moment, it's definitely a two fight card. Two fight card. Well, look, Uh Wilson Hayes and Alessandre Pantoja get to fight in one of the last flyweight fights ever because the loser's getting cut. Let's see. Eric Anders versus. Khalil Roundtree. I mean, I mean, somebody's going to sleep quickly, I mean, if nothing else. Krylov and St. Prue aren't elite guys, but, you know, they have tenure. You know, Yeah, they, when you can't do anything about tenure. <laughs> I mean, they have winning UFC records. They do. Or, I mean, I believe they do. Uh, Krylov might not. I think he does, but he—he's the one I'm. I'm can I think Krylov was outside the UFC for a little while. Which, yeah, yeah. He left after the which after lost the Serkinov loss. And then he came back and lost to Jan Blahovich. Right. Let's see. One, two, five. Uh, yeah. They announced the upcoming mini. Yeah. After- card but no fight Krylov has barely has a winning ufc record so okay. i think he's five and four sounds about right <laughs> yeah what, what about minneapolis no they announced that location but they didn't announce any fights okay. for it uh that's that'll be june 29th i still want to know when they're rescheduling um two I mean, look, once we develop the ability to go back in time, we can reschedule it and we can <laughs> have it. Those are the words Dana White used. Uh, yeah. We didn't cancel it. We rescheduled it. To when? For a date in the future. Oh, um, Gustafson versus Smith has been not officially signed, but they're targeting oh, that that's for the... Right. I knew there was one more that I was that was escaping my yeah. memory. Uh, they're that's, back in Stockholm. That's a, that, that's a, that's a sensical match matchup. Yeah, really? that's yeah. They'll be in Stockholm on June first. Uh, Gustafsson is a good yet, fight. But it it appears to be developing. Yeah, that's what they're targeting. So if that does come to fruition, it's a good fight. But if I'm Smith, I love that fight to to redeem to try and redeem myself. You know. Yeah. Because you know, as as tough as he was for for not taking that DQ loss against Jones, his performance was god awful in that fight. He just did nothing that entire fight. 
maybe I'm being a little too harsh by saying god awful, but um, it's a he was complete. If nothing else, he was completely stymied offensively. Um, and for Gustafson, you know, it's just he hasn't. That's a must win. He hasn't been active as of late, you know. No, he's been. He took a lot of time off after the Teixeira fight. Fought Jones. Looked like he looked like he didn't even care. Lost to Jones in the rematch. The rematch he the rematch he'd been working for for five years that he'd wanted that he arguably deserved back in 2013. He finally got it and lost that. That proceeded to be shut down entirely by John Jones. Right. But, I mean, I felt like he didn't even care about that fight going into it. He just didn't. The the craziest thing about Gustafson is while he's had these great fights against, you know, Cormier and and Jones the first time. Yeah. His best win is probably the Glover Teixeira win. When Teixeira was, I mean, I respect Teixeira as the old war horse going out there and still fighting. Yeah. But as an elite competitor, his time was already done when they fought. And and that's probably his best win. Gustafsson really needs this fight to prove he is still an elite competitor. Yeah, This is a must-win fight for Gustafsson. We we have a new generation coming up right now. A light heavyweight. Not yeah, there's s- a few guys. There's not again Reyes. Yep. Not saying they're going to knock. I'm not saying these guys are going to be the ones to knock off John Jones, but um, it happens to everyone eventually. And um, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like Gustafsson's part of the old guard now. I mean, he's been in the UFC forever. Like his, he debuted what? Seven years ago? Ten years ago. Jeez, yeah. he debuted in November of 09, yeah. Did he, was the Davis fight his debut? No, he debuted against Jared Haman and knocked okay. him out. And okay. then Davis was his second fight. Right. Then he went on that winning streak. Yeah, he's been, he, he's been there a while. And, I mean, he, he, he has, he's had a decent run, but he's come up short in three UFC title fights, you know? Some, and, guys, never, some guys never get one UFC title fight. Three UFC title fights and a pretty bad loss uh, in the Johnson fight. Right. And Anthony Johnson smashed him. And like Kenny Florian, Kenny Florian was a good fighter. I think you'd agree. Yeah. But Kenny Florian always came up short in in his title fights. And that's kind of what I see with with, uh, Gustafson. Kenny Florian was, I mean, throughout his career was a top ranked fighter in whatever division he was in. Except, except middleweight, excuse me. Nah, we'll forgive that one. I mean, even though middleweight wasn't great at the time, he was he was clearly not a middleweight. But, I mean, even up toward the end of his run, he was still a top-ranked guy at lightweight, basically. Yeah, he was up there before, what was it, a back injury that kind of finally forced yeah. him out? Yep. He was still He was still competitive, so. And Kenny Florian was good. He just wasn't quite... He wasn't quite able to raise his game to become a champion. And he also, again, and I think the Gustafson comparison is apt because he also happened to run up against two unbelievably dominant champions at the time in the forms of BJ Penn and Jose Aldo. Yep. And then Shirk before that, but Shirk, you know, Eh, Shirk's story is considerably shorter. 
No one cares about Sean Shirts. <laughs> but I'm saying that was his that was his first that was his first uh title loss. So. Yeah. Yeah, he fought Shirk for the vacant belt, right? When they reinstituted uh, it. Right, correct. Okay. As I recall. That was quite that was quite a while back, but yeah. yeah. Um I don't I don't know any other news items unless you have uh, I don't think there's anything else I really wanted to touch on necessarily. Okay. So on that note, yep. uh, what do you got to plug? Uh, my review of the number one movie in America, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel made $153 million, a lot of internet controversy. Uh, honestly, I don't think, I mean, I think, is it my favorite Marvel movie? No, but I mean, is it Ghostbusters 2016? No, it's not. I don't know. The movie was so bad. Did you see uh, Captain Marvel yet, Robert? No, I meant Ghostbusters. I I will see Captain Marvel on Tuesday before Mark and I review it. Like, I mean, I all the internet like I understand why people are upset with Brie Larson's comments, but I mean, to me, I try to move to to view a movie just as a movie and not because if I was so worried about like the political opinions and views of all the people in Hollywood, I would never go to the movies or watch any TV ever again. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I, if I limited myself to consuming art based on people agreeing with my worldview, I'd be consuming and much as I, I respect and I've derived in many respects, a great enjoyment from, you know, uh, the occasional, uh, you know, Christian themed movie or LDS authors, or I mean, so again, I I don't mean to say they're all crap because they're not, but if I limited myself to only that, I would be, I would, there's a lot of stuff that I would never have seen. Right. But, so, so yeah, check out my I, review I mean, of Captain Marvel. All, I would say see it in theater, see it in theaters once it's, and you don't really need to see it again, but I think that's fine. Um, I also reviewed Krypton season one, sort of a, you know. I'm not a huge fan of Krypton, but if people like it, go ahead. So check out my Blu-ray review of that. Also, my review of How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which was honestly, I think, superior than Captain Marvel, a much better movie. Was it better than the second one? No, but I think it was, uh, that was, that was a really good trilogy of films in terms of storytelling. I think very well done. Um, I will be doing WonderCon later this month. And then what else? I have a couple interviews coming up that are still taking shape. Um, I don't want to like jinx them yet, but I think, you know, if you've noted that I once interviewed CM Punk for the website, uh, things can get pretty exciting around here. So fingers crossed. Uh, I hope you get those. Uh, I mean, you, you, you do good work when you get those interview opportunities. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of CM Punk's, but I enjoyed your, uh, you know, your interview yeah, with him. You. Uh, as for me again, this coming Saturday, I will have live coverage of fight night 147. Uh, so stop by, say hello. I gonna have to double check the start time actually for that event because it's all on ESPN plus. So they might just hold it in prime time in the, in London, which is a significantly different start time here than normal, but uh, we'll see. Um, Tuesday, Mark and I will be, I believe we're joined by Alexis Haina to review Captain Marvel. Again, I haven't seen it yet. I will see it Tuesday. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm apprehensive. 
for reasons that have nothing to do with Brie Larson's politics. Uh, very specifically, I don't like amnesia movies, and I and nostalgia doesn't work on me. I have like no emotional connection connection to points in time like that. So if a lot of the appeal is again like there's a you know a mystery around an amnesia based storyline and '90s nostalgia, I'm not going to be a happy camper. But again, we'll see. Again, I that's my concern based on everything I've heard about it thus far. But I've been wrong. My concern has been misplaced in the past. It might very well be misplaced here. Uh, then we'll be back next week to review Fight Night 147 and preview Fight Night 148. 23rd, make sure the math is right on that. It is. And that will be the card headlined by Stephen Thompson and Anthony Pettis. Boy, that is... Uh... That's that yeesh. Okay, Dieps and Figueredo and Juicy A Formiga could be fun, but uh, poor Figueredo when they close down Flyweight. I love Figueredo. But uh, that 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 could be a long night. That card could be a long night. Anyway, we'll preview that next week, and then we can wallow in my potential grief <laughs> as we do so. Uh, but that will be it for me. Thank you everyone very much for listening. It's always appreciated. Again, you've got a lot of choices for this content. You choose ours. We try to make it better. Um, you can leave questions or comments in the comment section on 411 Mania or YouTube, or you can tweet me if you have a question that you'd like addressed on air. I wouldn't mind if there's enough interest uh, introducing a segment like that. I am at Winfrey MMA. That's W-Y-N-F-R-E-E-M-M-A. Until next week, for Jeff, I'm Robert. Thanks again. Please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.